Well, folks, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. This is episode 19, and our title for today is The Noble Man Knows Who He Is. And I got to tell you, this is, this is a question that men wrestle with consistently and continuously is, who am I? Uh, we see in our culture men identifying themselves in a variety of ways. Uh, with so many external factors. And so I'm excited to have a guest with me today, a friend, Gary Freeman, who is the Fatherhood and Family Program Manager for CareNet Pregnancy Centers. He's with us today from their headquarters in uh, Leesburg, Virginia. So, Gary, welcome to uh, the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Mike. Appreciate you, man. It's good stuff. Hey, Gary, tell us a little bit of your story, where you've been. How, how did you get to this national position and uh, a little bit about your family as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, man, uh, so, um, try to give the succinct version of this. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say a lot of it comes from uh, just my own background in terms of growing up in a home. I was a PK, pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, but my father and I, we didn't have the best relationship. So there was a lot that in growing up in that, I kind of knew church, but I didn't know Jesus. Wow. <laughs> um, so that's something where, you know, I didn't come to faith until my senior year in college, uh, East Carolina University. So um, just understanding and knowing what God was doing, uh, even at that point, you know, is kind of something that's really cool in terms of what I do now in dealing with fathers and those different holes and things that are in uh, in our hearts sometimes um, as men that, you know, we want to kind of send men out to be great examples in our community. And we really have no idea where our roots are in terms of who we are and our identity and kind of what we're talking about today. So, yeah, so I find myself in this position here and um, I'm thankful uh, for the position. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but this, uh, so September 7th, uh, will be 13 years, uh, married to my beautiful wife, Denise Freeman. Uh, we have two beautiful girls. Uh, so I have a house full of women. <laughs> so, uh, pray for me. Um, but, uh, I love it. I, I love every minute of it. I always say that God has a sense of humor because he gave, you know, a six, two, 300 pound, you know, ex football player, a house full of pinks and curls and frills. <laughs> unicorns and i love every minute of it so so yeah so that's there you go. awesome hey let me uh yeah i'm glad you brought up the football player thing because you mentioned yeah. east carolina i've got a good friend who is um a pirate alum and so he's a big east awesome. carolina fan so smart man yeah there you go so you played for east carolina what what time frame yeah so i played there from uh 2002 to 2006 yeah um and I was on offensive line, played center. So God blessed that I was able to have a successful career there. Um, and then from there, tried to, you know, land on a couple rosters in the NFL, and that didn't work out. Yeah. Played the ring of football for a while. So then there was a point in time where my knees just said stop. Yeah, I hear <laughs> so, you. But it was fun, man. I thank God for the opportunities. You know, and as I was reading your bio, I think I had missed this. You're originally from Chesapeake. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if we'd made this connection, but I grew up in Suffolk, so we're I uh, grew oh, yeah, up not too far yeah. from each other. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, yeah Tywater, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a seven five seven boys. So uh, yes, gotta yes, love sir. it. <laughs> well, awesome. listen. So you are the, the kind of the men's coordinator is the way I've described it often mm -hmm. for CareNet. Um, so how did you get connected? Rollin Warren is the president of CareNet, and. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So you were in Raleigh working at a pregnancy center or volunteering yes. to just kind of tell me how you got connected with that organization. Yeah. So uh, probably around 2012, 2013, I started working uh, part time for an organization uh, for a pregnancy center, rather. Um, that is what's called a CareNet affiliate. So right. in working for CareNet um, National, we have over 1100 pregnancy centers all throughout the country that are affiliated, you know, with the with CareNet um, and the pro-abundant life aspect of kind of right. how we serve and all that good stuff, right? So I was working in a CareNet center um, as a fatherhood coordinator. And what ended up happening was uh, God just, I had no idea. I came into that work not knowing what a pregnancy center even was. Yeah. And just know that God sparked something in my heart um, in terms of working in the pro-life world and working with abortion and what that means in serving fathers. Right. Um, just element of men who, in a sense, by society have gotten, you know, quieted right. uh, in, in that arena. Um, but in God's design, 
is man plus woman equals child. So there how do you we, go. you know, how do we, you know, do that in a loving way <laughs> um, and, and serve men that way. So uh, ended up serving in that center and God blessed tremendously and started doing some trainings and stuff in terms of how God was growing our center. Um, and actually it was really funny. So Roland Warren, president, right. Actually were at a conference together and we were both speaking and I had to go on uh, after him, which was just scary. <laughs> Rollin is the man. I, I yeah. love Rollin. Um, and he actually stayed behind and and listened. And immediately after it came up to me, I was like, man, I think God has his hand on you in this niche for serving fathers in this way. And he oh, stayed in contact. And literally, uh, I started serving as a youth pastor. Yeah. And things started going in that direction of just thinking ministry. And about two years later, me and Rylan reconnected. Right. And he started this position, the fatherhood family program manager, and was like, hey, would you be interested in it? Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy. So it was right in a real, you know, awkward place of there were some things going on with the church ministry that we were transitioning from Maryland right. back to North Carolina. So we were like, okay, Lord, here we go. So started, uh, started in that position last year. And as well, have been working on some personal stuff back in the Raleigh Triangle area. Yeah, um, as well. Uh, now you're you're going to seminary now too, aren't you? Just graduated. Okay. So praise the Lord. Oh. <laughs> you wrote your last paper and finished all <laughs> that. And and yeah, so so graduated uh, this spring, this past spring. Awesome! So, Congratulations. Yeah, so got that knocked out. Awesome. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, so you and I also connected in Dallas last fall. Yep. When uh, Robert Lewis and the the team from Better Man and some of you um, listeners, if you're not familiar with Better Man, Better Man is a is a new resource that's uh, developed by Robert Lewis and a team of guys who really want to help older men connect with younger men and walk them through a process of becoming a better man using biblical concepts. Mm -hmm. um, and that organization partnered with Barna, the big research. Uh, study organization to do a study on the state of manhood in America. And uh, so that that report, the Barner report, uh, the title of it, actually, we'll give you a link to it, is called Five Essentials to Engage Today's Men. And over the next five episodes of our podcast, we're going to touch on those five essentials. Um, so they are identity, vocation, well-being, relationships, and church. And so uh, Gary and I are going to talk about this issue of identity with men and uh, the challenges that our culture faces with that and and men face with it. So, um, Gary, one of the things I'll say is that they they separated when they when they sliced and diced the data, they took a look at churched men or uh, evangelical mm -hmm. men and. 80% of those guys, these are connected to the church or have a have a faith walk, said that 80% uh, of these guys said that their faith was the core of their identity. Mm. Um, I, I got a little catch on that because I, I think a lot of people would say that but then not live it. Would you would you mm. agree with that? How, how hard yeah. is that for us to to live out faith as the core of who we are? Yeah, man, I first and foremost definitely would agree with that. Yeah. Um, just in terms of especially in the work in the area that I'm in, because so many of the guys I get to meet and, you know, coach and consult or whatever, um, a great percentage of them say, you know, they're, you know, of the Christian faith right. or in that nature. And then, you know, in my work, you know, I'm dealing with crisis pregnancies and, you know, a lot of them aren't married and there's just a lot of elements that go into that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, is how we walk in this out. Yeah. Um, I think deals directly with how we understand who we actually are. Yeah. You know, like who, who are we in terms of, I love this in terms of our identity in Christ. And what does that even mean? Like, are we striving for Christ or are we striving for my own personal testimony or, or am I striving to just look good in church? Right. You know, look good in front of different people, but am I actually dealing with those hard issues in my heart um, and wanting to walk that out? Because that brings you to a place of humility quickly. It <laughs> so, does. It's a whole lot easier to say I'm a man of faith than to have other people say, I can look at you and I can mm -hmm. read your heart. I can read your behavior. I, I can see that you're a man of faith. But even 
tougher than that is mm-hmm. we have a tendency to look at the outside. God looks at the inside. He knows what's in our hearts. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I think in our culture, we get caught up in a lot of other things. So I thought it would be interesting. What? How would you just begin to describe yourself? What roles, what responsibilities... Who are you? I mean, we've already talked about you're a ECU alumni, you're a former yeah. football player, <laughs> offensive lineman. I mean, there's there's status that comes with that. Yeah, yeah, that is that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I but I would say that's um none of that matters in terms of the the best uh understanding or title that I can have is being uh, a son of the most high God. Yeah. Like hey man, like I am whom Jesus went to the cross for and that I can be reconciled with God, the father point blank period. The fact that I can live out of that is huge. And then that core understanding casts a shadow on every other role or responsibility. So you've already said I'm a son. Uh, There were times when I had friction with my dad. I can identify with that. You're a husband, you're a father, you're a leader, you're a youth pastor. Um, so what yeah. else, uh, what other roles do you have? Where else do you interact with folks where they could see you? And the core of what they have to see is I'm a, I'm saved by Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the, the key things for me is I'm really big on uh, God, what I call God's color wheel. So in this, you know, racially charged yeah. atmosphere, you know, again, being a 6'2", 300-pound African-American man, you yeah. know, and, and kind of walking in a lot of predominantly white spaces in terms of, like, working in pro-life world and things of that nature, I feel like that's something that, again, where are my roots? Yeah. You know, am, am I able to be solidified in who Christ made me, you know, in terms of... Uh, just my culture and, and and all the things that come with that. And again, celebrating God's color wheel and his, you know, v- wide variety of just how he consistently shows his love for us through, you know, being African-American or being, you know, Caucasian or Asian or whatever, like all of that coming together is something that I love to celebrate. And, you know, there's a lot that, that are intangibles that people try to say, you know, and pull away from Christ, but he is the creator of so if he's the creator, man, then, hey, we get to celebrate one another. That's exactly you know? right. So that, that's something that I feel like is really, really important when we walk through, again, hard things, hard topics, hard dealings, you know, even in the country and things that we have to be upfront and honest about. But again, that's to bring us to a place of humility. Indeed. And not necessarily think we have to come to the table to be right, but come to the table to just, you know, listen. That's exactly what I just had that conversation. I I mentioned Brett Clemmer a few moments ago. And Uh, part part of what we talked about was uh, everybody wants to speak. Nobody wants to shut up and listen and hear (laughs) someone else's story and and hear their their challenges or their pain and and come to a place of understanding. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think about Jesus interacting with the woman at the well. You and I are not Christ, so we don't have this omniscience where we know someone's story before they begin to speak the way Christ knew hers. Right. And so the only way I'm going to understand what your life has been like, what your frustrations are, what your experiences are, is Mm -hmm. to listen to your story. And and in order to do that, I have to shut my own mouth. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm with you on that one. And that's on both sides of the aisle. You know, it's like we have to be willing. And that's where a lot of us kind of found fault. Are we really willing, you know, to listen, to understand versus listen, to answer? So, yeah. you know, there's two different ways of, of kind of viewing that. And I feel like if we're listening to listen and to be with you and to truly empathize, you know, then that causes us to literally shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of want to hear from a brother and be able to be in it with you and pray and, and, and seek the Lord with you and all that good stuff, you know? So I agree. Yeah, you know, uh, as as you're we're having this conversation, I think about a, a marriage uh, communication strategy that Stacy and I learned from somewhere along the way. Um, I, as a guy, and I think most guys are like this, we tend to be problem solvers, and so we hear something going on. I don't know if you can identify with this or not, but we hear that something's going on, some struggle that she's dealing with. And, and my immediate response is, well, I know the solution to that. I want to fix that. 
But what my wife needs me to do is listen. Yes. And and so we were. Yeah. You, you, so you live oh, in this world. Oh, yeah. And so uh, we were talking to a couple or maybe we we're at a marriage event or something one time. And someone simply said, guys, you need practice this phrase. Tell me more. Tell, oh, man, that's good. <laughs> tell that's me so good. more. And, yeah. and, and so before we start telling our solutions or our thoughts, man, we just need to be willing to say, hey, tell me more and let me mm-hmm. learn more of your story. Let me hear more of this. And uh, I, I just I'll be honest with you. I practice that sometimes, but not nearly often <laughs> enough. Hey, I'm right there with you, brother. <laughs> so and, and, you know, I, the other thing that comes to mind is I think. Um, we hear the term identity politics and some of these other yeah. things. And that word identity is in front of politics for a reason. I think there are way too many of us who claim the name of Christ who mm. would put our identity with a particular party or a particular segment or group of mm. culture yeah. in uh, higher esteem than our relationship with Christ, and and that's yeah. problematic. When we, when we get party affiliation and all of those things ahead of uh, kingdom affiliation, yeah, we're gonna run the train off the track. Yeah, and it can get scary. That's one of the things that, um, again, I feel like we we want to attach to narratives, yeah. secular narratives, versus the one true narrative, which is the gospel. Um, and it, it's, it's really funny because it's almost, you know, when we think through what you just said, it's almost like we're treating the gospel if it isn't sufficient enough right. to handle what's right in front of us when that's exactly what it's been speaking to, <laughs> you know, this entire time. So I feel like as believers, as Christians, as disciples, as followers of Christ, man, we have to like quiet the narratives that are just yelling at us, you know, through media, through all the different sources and ways that you know we can so easily think that now our way to fixing things has to travel through a secular narrative when it actually doesn't it can just go down the line of the gospel and everything we need is right there in god's word to be able to walk through things so i feel like that's something that's really key yeah and you know as as we have to quiet the narratives that are screaming at us because they're screaming at us man from whatever somebody thinks they need to be on, man, that's a message that I'm always trying to tell. Like we need to be on the Lord's side in, in all of this. So um, that, that constitutes us being really, really, really in terms of men, faith, faith based men <laughs> being in tune of stepping up to what the gospel is, is calling us to. So, yeah. so what does that look like um, yeah. to, to battle with that? Because the culture is pulling us and and the typical guy is mm-hmm. is going to get pulled into some um, wayward conversation yeah. that's going to cause him to probably and 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 I don't say this in a critical way because I I say it because I know it for me personally I can get yeah. pulled away from yeah. Christ being the 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 most important thing to me to some other parts of my life and it's yeah. it's just a dangerous pathway so how does that happen and then what do we do about it yeah I've, I've, man that's really uh it's, it's so easy to just uh kind of like even in this world i'm in uh you you don't want to practice what's called mission creep or you know right drift and i feel like that can apply to even even what you just said in terms of our mission you know, to go and to make disciples, you know, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, That's right. Don't have mission creep from what we've been called to as we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. So one of the things that's really key is even if we find ourselves drifting and we, you know, we kind of see ourselves attaching slowly to some type of movement or thoughts or anything, man, that can just be away from that. It's like, wait a minute. I have to analyze, first of all, who is Christ to me? So for me personally, um, I started just the practice of because I'm, I'm, I'm a social media buff. Yeah. <laughs> so I love to kind of be on. I'm, I'm always trying to you know say certain things. And I noticed myself just being like, wait a minute, I need a break. Yeah. You know, as, as much as, you know, I, I love to kind of be in the mix and, you know, try to make sure the gospel is heard. And I'm like, but God is sovereign. 
you know, and, and I, I'm not some type of black savior trying to ride in on my own horse. Like, no, <laughs> like, no, the gospel is sufficient, man. So yeah. let me take a little break and go be with the Lord. And yeah. I feel like that is super important in this day and age. Like, shut things off to be like, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What, what do I need to shape up? Like, I'm until our last heartbeat, we're still growing in Christ. That's right. And then we get to transition and be with the Lord. So understanding that and making sure that that's the main part of how we work in this day and age. Like, man, I can't do this without the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ leading. So. And you know what? You mentioned social media. I think even even the idea that we could be <clears throat> a force for good mm-hmm. and a warrior for Christ in social media or in wow. any ministry realm, that idea itself could get it could become an idol. And, and, would, and yes, sir, we yeah. start <laughs> to value and esteem that even higher than the work that Christ was we find ourselves feeling responsible to do work in the lives of other people and dismiss the fact that God is, like you said, still working in us. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Like we, we start looking at our likes, Yeah, you know, for our, for our last post and think, okay, man, now I got validation, Yeah, you know, and it's like, no, I'm validated and justified through Jesus Christ. Right. So whatever he leads me to do, if it just so happens to be, through, you know what I'm saying? So you, yeah, it starts shifting, you know, kind of how we should, kind of view things man so you know not worried about you know likes on facebook and instagram and retweets you know it's just more like hey lord what are you leading me to do that's right usually starts with dealing with some hard stuff in my own heart and some you know some humble pie that i need to eat you know and go go talk to my wife yeah (laughs) pray with my wife and my kids and all that good stuff so yeah man well all right so let me ask you another piece of this because it um it sounds like you arrived at that conclusion yourself and you said, Hey, I need to dial this back. I, I yeah. need to, I need to take a break. I need to take a deep breath and, and, and refresh a little bit here and get, get my bearings again. What mm-hmm. role does interaction with other men in a small group or I, it, I've stopped yeah. using the term accountability group because I think that scares guys. I, I use the term wise guys. I, I say everybody needs some wise guys in their lives because I, like I, I, I don't have enough <laughs> wisdom of my own. I'm going I'm to drive the car in the ditch if we rely on my wisdom. So what role do some other guys play mm-hmm. in helping you have some clarity about identity and purpose and, and keeping the main things the main things in your life? Yeah, man. Oh, gosh. I, I love that, wise guys. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I love that, man, because I feel like that's something that, you know, especially walking through a seminary, yeah, um, kind of helped me see that man. You can gain a whole lot of knowledge and have no wisdom. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the application of your knowledge is something that, hey, you know what, Mike, you just been living longer than me. Yeah. So you know, when I'm a, when I'm amongst guys and I know that they've just lived some life, I just want to shut up and listen. You know, like what can I learn? What can I glean? You know, you know, you've been married longer than me. You have, you know, adult children and I got a three-year-old, you know, climbing up my back. Like, what do, what do I, what do I need to look forward to? And I feel like in this day and age, especially millennial Gen Zers, yeah. we're kind of like seeing so much of gain all the knowledge you can. You just need to understand, well, that's fine, but how do we apply it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do we apply all of this knowledge we've gained? And that just comes through living life. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm real big on that in terms of just how we live and how we want to live in terms of being example of the believers, you know, um, what Paul told, you know, what in, in Timothy, you know? yeah. and it's kind of being like being an example of the believers in all these different ways. Yeah. It just takes some living, man. So, you know, and, and in that, like I said, I can come to my brother, Mike, who's like, you know what? I just view it this way. And you could say, well, you know what? I can view it this way because I've yeah. lived a little bit longer yeah. and we have to be okay with that. But again, I feel like that's a big point. Um, that I want to just kind of put in right here, humility. Yeah, and walking in humility. Yeah, is hard. Yep, because you just feel like you know what, I, I got the answers. Like I, even if I feel like I've lived a certain kind of thing or lived through something, and praise God for that, but I still need to stop and listen in terms of how do I apply it. Yeah, and that takes humility, man. So, it does. 
that's huge. I, I feel like that's huge, man. It is. I'm, I'm glad you used that term and you brought that up because uh, that's that's where I was going next. Um, my wife and I had the privilege last night. We we went out to c- dinner with a young couple who are just engaged. Uh, one's uh, he's yeah. a senior in college and she's uh, she's recently graduated. But they got engaged over the summer, and to their credit, they are humbling themselves and and looking around. They're having dinner with another couple tonight, and they're saying, yeah. "Hey, we we are watching some folks that we know aren't perfect, um, mm-hmm. but have some more miles on their tires. They've uh, yeah, yeah. we've watched your marriage, and we want to ask you some questions. And so, man, that was so cool." I love that. And and so what I would affirm in that is that there has to be humility on the part of the one who's asking that question. But but can I tell you that there has to be humility on the part of uh, maybe the mentor or the seasoned True. individual in those conversations as well? Because yeah. um, I, I know so many guys who say, you know what, Mike, nobody wants to hear from me because I've made so many mistakes in my life that I... I all I've done is screw up. I I don't have this this heroic story to tell, and I think, my goodness, that's where the wisdom comes from. Is exactly is the mistakes that we make and the way God redeems those moments in our lives and how He teaches us in those ways is what is so valuable to the next generation. And so I think we it takes humility to ask someone to to engage that conversation, but it also takes humility for a, a seasoned person to say, hey, I'm going to be honest and transparent with you, and I'm just going to tell you about the times when I made mistakes and, and yeah. how Jesus redeemed that and what he's done in my life and and, and so, again, we get back to this identity issue that I'm not the sum total of my mistakes. Right, I, I, right. I, I should not be identified by the errors or the failures in my life because mm-hmm. God is bigger than all of those. And he can take those and turn them into a testimony or an experience that's going to shape someone else's life for good. Amen. Yeah, that's that's, that's solid there, brother. <laughs> so um so I think we got yeah. to do that. Now, let me um you know, have you ever struggled with identity? You talked about coming to Christ oh, man, as yeah. a senior in college. So yeah. what's a little bit of your story about when you mm-hmm. said I was a preacher's kid, I didn't yeah. have the best relationship with my dad, but but ultimately you came to Christ and there had to be an identity conflict somewhere yeah. there, I would say. So can you give voice to any of that that might be an encouragement to some of our listeners? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, I think that um, one of those things is my senior year. So I'm, you know, playing ball. I'm thinking about to go to the league, you know, about to make it to the NFL. I got all these aspirations and goals. And then I suffered a crazy injury um, where I tore my quad. And, and that wow. note that I feel like that was the first instance of God trying to get my attention. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it, it humbled me in a place because all those aspirations literally just go out the window because one of the things that, uh, the NFL, you know, is I feel like it stands, stands for not for long league. <laughs> so, right. um, they don't want damaged goods, you yeah. know? So kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, what, what am I going to do with my life? Because my identity was football. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and everything that I built my life on because I had this situation in the home. Um, I thank God the last two years, my dad is deceased now for, for yeah. years now, but the last two years of his life, we got to reconcile, which was beautiful. And I thank God for that because I got yeah. to see so much of the gospel in that. But, um, but even walking through a lot of that, you know, it's kind of like, man, my identity was, I got to get out of this house. I got to, you know, make it to the NFL. I got to go buy my mama house, get him away from, you know what I'm saying? So my yeah. identity, was, I'm just this ball player. Yeah. And that's all, that's all I got. So it's like, now you take that away. I have nothing else. Right. So now here comes depression. Here comes alcoholism. Here comes all these things to try and fill this void that I only had this identity in playing ball, playing football. So I kind of feel like I had my Saul to Paul moment, you know, on Damascus road, Damascus road. Yeah. Blinded. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So I thank God for that. And then I was able to literally on a Wednesday night. Um, there was something, I felt the Holy spirit working, and had some good people that were kind of talking to me, you know, and went yeah. to a service and heard the gospel. And just remember, uh, just putting my faith in Christ that night and yeah. driving home and crying in the driveway for two hours. And it's like, 
you know, gosh, I'm just no, nah, I'm this big time football player, man. You know, like I can't. First of all, I can't be crying like this, but at the same time, <laughs> it's like, man, God, you you love me this much, yeah. And, and just having that realization and walking in that and thinking, you know, what's really important is, I really thought, you know, it's like, could I come put my faith in Christ? Everything's gonna be hunky dory. Oh wow, you know, I'm gonna heal up. I'm about to go to the Vikings or the Bears and go make me some money. Yeah. And things got worse. <laughs> I had more injuries and my back started acting up and my calves and all kinds of weird stuff. And I'm like, what's going on? Because I wasn't humbling myself yeah. to understand what God was really doing in my life. And just over time, I think that kind of happened from setting up and God making divine arrangements with just different people. And yeah just thanking God for those people that are in my life, you know, and just walking in the way of like, man, God loves us so much. Wow. That he Jesus Christ. And to just really just be sober minded and think through that each and every day, not to take each day for granted, but to really think through that. So every day is a journey. Yeah. So, so let's go, you know, that's how I look at yeah. it. Like God woke me up today. Let's go. Let's get it. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, man. So just knowing who my, with that, that identity aspect. Yeah. Talking about like it lit that because I came to faith and my identity still was in football. Yeah, it hadn't transformed overnight into you know like my identity is in who Christ created me to be. So that still is a process, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with that man. That's and that's, and you know what? This is hard. That's <laughs> where some of those other folks around us help us walk down those steps because. Yeah. Man, wise if, guys. <laughs> yeah, if if you think that uh, just praying a prayer, you know, having a, a tearful moment yeah. is going to take all the pain away and is going to reverse your right. circumstances, and there's going to be this this um, this dramatic change. Well, sometimes that happens. There's no question. Sure, I, sure. I don't want to discount those things, but sure. for the most part there is this journey called sanctification that we go on that is up and down and it's frustrating and painful and sweaty and, and challenging. And, um, man, I think about that Ecclesiastes passage where it it talks about, um, the man who has no friend, there's no one to help him up when he falls down. Mm. And so we've got to have some guys around us to help us up when we fall down, you know, as as I'm listening to your story, I'm thinking, okay, so this happened. You were probably 22 years old when you had that injury somewhere yep. in that in that ballpark. But there's a man out there who's who's um, 32 years old who just lost his job because of COVID, and and he's going through an identity crisis because he's he's newly married and he's got a young kid at home or something, and he's thinking, man, my my capacity to provide for my family is lost and I'm not sure where to go. And there's probably a 42 year old man out there who's, who's lost his job as a manager of a company. And maybe he's got a high school student that, you know, is looking at him and he sees himself as a failure because of something that has, you know, has happened to him. There's a 52 year old or a 62 year old guy out there who's, who um, had investments in retirement or who had started a business. And so some of these things that have gone on in our culture have have wrecked what he has invested his life in. And and boy, in each one of those circumstances, and you could you could rattle off a thousand other scenarios. True. What happens is men have a tendency to place our identity in something that we can see and feel and touch and not in Christ. And mm-hmm. when yeah. that world comes crashing down and we have nothing left, um, yeah. we might see that as disaster, but God is using that to do something wonderful in our lives. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, man. I think um, just, and really just kind of piggyback on that. Yeah. I feel like that those scenarios and I've seen that a lot, been dealing with you know those situations and it's it's one of those things where um, i feel like it's this true call to really like who do you really serve yeah you know and it's as hard as it is you know as a husband as a father of course you want to provide you want to be you know in the position to give and to be able to serve your family the best way you can and that's monetarily and you know and support and roof over the head and food in their bellies and all that but I feel like it really shows us in terms of am I based off of the 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 created thing or the creator? That's you right. Know? Like like who's my true source? So if, if if these things happen that 
really are out of my control um, in, in, in a given sense. It's like, man, am, am I really not going to trust God <laughs> to, to be able to provide for his, you know, his institution of yeah. this marriage or, you know, this, if you're not married, but have children, you know, for, for in those areas, I, I know a number of single dads Yeah, that, that, that's something I pray about often just because that's something that's not really talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, in terms of the single parent home and what that means if they lose their job. Yeah. You know, like, it's huge. What is, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's your income. It's your way of, of living. But um, even in that hurt, I agree with you, Mike, that's something where it should point us to the actual source who provides all our resources. Yeah. In that it does, it's not cliche. It's true. That's right. <laughs> No, do I really believe that the God of the Bible is powerful enough to provide for me, even in the in the you know present pandemic or whatever the case may be? But um, I feel like it's a a true it's a it's a it's a truth dart, yeah, like right at our hearts, and it hits the bullseye. And what do we do when it's time to respond? You know, yeah. so it's like here we go, man. Well, and I, man, you just made me think of something when you mentioned the single dad. Um, you know, your scenario that you presented there was he's lost his job. So how is he going to provide? Well, mm-hmm. I think about the single parents out there who have kids at home who need to work. They still have a job, but schools are going to be virtual, virtual. in most. Yeah. So how are they? Where is the child care coming from? How is the yeah. resourcing for them to, to figure this out? And, you know, so I, I, I just need to put in a plug here and say church church <laughs> not any particular church but yeah. church the people of yeah, christ man. bride of christ this may be time for you to step up and look around your neighborhood and your yeah, surroundings man. and say okay yeah. who are the people that whose lives are going to be vulnerable in these moments and mm-hmm. how can we reach out to help them and serve them and show that our identity is not that you know we live in this house or this neighborhood but the Christ in us compels us to go find someone and meet a need and serve them yes. Um, yes. so that they can find a way to flourish. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. You hit the nail on the head, brother. Like, man, this is prime time for the church. Yeah. Step up and step in. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like that's that's going to clue us into our true identities. Yeah. To be the hands and feet of Jesus in these scenarios. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's kind of like if you have the space, you have the resource, you have the time. Well, Christ calls us to servitude. Yeah. He, he washed the feet. So how can we go do the same in terms of whatever gift and talent that he's allowed us to personally have to go serve in that regard? You know? And you know what? The, the, so the mess that we're dealing with personally mm-hmm. becomes less of a factor in our lives when we go and serve someone else um there's that passage that says that out of their poverty uh they gave uh and beyond what their capacity and Mm -hmm. it was uh the result was great joy and so man if if we're gonna live this out if 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 we're gonna do what this survey says that you know for 80 percent of the evangelical responders faith was their primary source of their identity then yes. we need to find some ways to live that out, not just mark it on a survey. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, let me let me throw a couple of things at you and just get you to fire back at me quick. So I have some okay. passages here um, I, that might be helpful. So I think about 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. How yeah. might Satan be working to devour someone in the area of identity that you think about that—, that might be encouraged by something you would say right now. Wow. So immediately thinking that your 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 gift and your talent is who you are versus your gift and your talent is a gift from God. Yeah. So go execute it the best way that he would want you to execute it. So that turns that that flips the table right oh, there. Oh, it does. It, it just it, it makes it seem like man, you you're I don't want to downplay, you know, your gift and talent, but you know to be honest about you're not we're not that great. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, all things are possible through Christ. So if he gave us the gift and talent to go do it, let's trust him to go do it. So then that takes the pressure off. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, Lord, I need your strength and power because you've given me this to go execute it. So, Lord, please use me today. So literally flipping that thing where it's like my identity is in Christ and not in 
what he's given me, you know, in terms of the gift and the talent. So I don't have to put my faith in that. I put my faith in who gave it to me. You know? Wow. And, yeah. Boy, so uh, I may get in a little trouble for this, but the first thing that came to mind is the preacher. Mm. who gets his identity by Uh-oh. the accolades. I know, I know. <laughs> Listen, brother, you might have to stand in front of me and block for me. <laughs> but I, I, I was listening to a podcast this morning, and a guy was talking about how his identity had become who he was as the pastor of the church mm. because there was so much affirmation that came from that. And what yeah. you just said, be careful that you don't let the gifting become your identity. Uh mm. And you remember that it's the the gift came from a gift giver, and he expects it to use it for expects you to use it for his glory, not your own. Yeah, yeah. I done, I done gone to meddling now. I better. Oh, yeah. You better back up there. Yeah, Mike. I know. All right, <laughs> let me give you another one. How about this? First uh, Samuel sixteen seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look on his appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. A man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart." What comes to mind when I read that? Oh, boy. Um, personally, yeah. I look at that in terms of, especially with guys, you know, we expect this manly man. So, you know, me and, you know, Mike, we're big guys, yeah. you know, we can walk in the room and there's a certain level of just like, man, okay, Mike's here, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and, and and that's okay. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if I'm not actually walking out what's in my heart. Yeah. So you can be six two three hundred, you can be five to a hundred, and what's in your heart is the what God is providing for His people, and I feel like that's to un- we understand that there's power in what God will call us to do, no matter what our physical stature is. Yeah, but man, in our heart, man, if we're not seeking the Lord every day, we'll we'll get devoured. Yep. <laughs> you know, our, our true our true worth comes out yeah you know what i mean like all this stuff starts spilling out because it's it's absence of the power of god so yeah man so stature isn't going to mean too much if i can you know for lack of a better uh analogy in the football world if i can get lord in you yeah you can be you know six six three thirty and i can be six two three hundred but if i can get lord in you and get under them pads boy it's gonna be a bad bad day for you (laughs) so so there so there you go you know so that's kind of how i look at it man that's awesome. I, you know, so I think about in this how often, just like you're saying, sometimes guys walk into a room and they start looking around and sizing themselves up and and judging mm-hmm. other people based on what they see. And, you know, so that one of the first questions that we ask when we get into a conversation with a guy is, so what do you do? Ew, and yeah. and part of the reason we ask that question is because we want to know how much money we think that guy makes <laughs> and, and what kind of house might he drive, what kind of car. And so we're, we get so much of our identity and prestige from how we rank ourselves with other people. And, boy, that's mm-hmm. the devil's playground. It just yes, sir. it messes yeah. us up. It can get ugly. Quick. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, one last passage I'm going to hit you up with here, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. And I know that's a, that's a core concept with care net. So how does that Mm -hmm. passage, that verse speak to us in terms of identity? Oh man. So, uh, in everything we've been talking about, what God still wants is for us to have an abundant life. Yeah through him. Yeah. So if identity, if our identity is based in who he is and the work of Jesus Christ, and that's the only work that really is going to have worth, it makes what we do right worthy because of him. Yeah. So identity in him is what's going to matter. So I, all of that kind of like, man, God still wants us to have this abundant life and yeah. to be able to, well, yeah, it's in the terms of bringing glory to him. Yeah. So, you know, if you have, you know, whether it's the philanthropist who has, you know, trust funds and millions and all that, his identity is still in how God wants him to use it. Yeah. You know, or, you know, the the guy who's the construction worker and he's working hard and his wife, he goes home and, you know, he kicks off his steel toe boots and his feet hurt. But, you know, his, his wife is there and his kids are there and he has this love and this support. Man that's still something where his identity is in Christ. So whatever's end of a spectrum someone finds themselves on, man, if you can discover just how much, and I keep saying this because it's something that I, I truly feel like I've just 
increasingly over time and just grown into like really understand just how much God loves you. Yeah. You know, even through all of that. So he wants you to look more like him in his initial creation of us, in his initial design of us. So if we can grab that and that's our identity, man, whatever we do to his glory is praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. That's right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I'm I'm watching the clock here, and so I want to hit a couple of things, uh, resources, and mm-hmm. and so you may have some others here, uh, folks. This Barna study, we're going to be kind of hitting for the next five episodes of the the Nobleman podcast, uh, but we're going to give you a link where you could check out that Barna study. Uh, we'll also give you a link to Better Man because I think a great way to do this is to launch a Better Man group. Uh, Go to the Better Man website, kind of check that out and get the information about what it looks like for you to launch a small group of guys that are using the Better Man curriculum to um, to deal with these issues and especially this issue of identity. Um, I would recommend to you the movie Overcomer. Um, And so Kendrick Brothers film. And if you if you haven't paid attention, that entire film is about the, the issue of identity. The basketball coach had lost his identity because he um, had lost his team. The young lady was struggling with identity because she had kind of been abandoned by her dad. And then the father, who was blind and dying, um, had lost his identity because of so many bad choices he'd made in the past. And God redeemed every one of those characters in the show or in this movie, and that would be a great um, great thing for you to check out to think about identity. I'm also going to recommend, if you want to hear or learn more about um, Gary's work, uh, check out CareNet Pregnancy Center. We'll give you a link to, to, um, to his work there, and I'm hoping we're going to put up a link to the workshop that Gary did for us in the Roanoke uh, Noble Man Conference last spring. Would that be okay for us to share that? Cool, cool. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Yeah. And uh, so let me give you some next steps. Guys, pray that God would reveal your identity to you clearly and that you would understand that your identity is not what you make or what you do or who you're married to or where you live, but it is if, if you have submitted to Christ and you've accepted the free gift of salvation that he has died on the cross to give you, if you've accepted that, then your identity is in him. And as an exercise, I would tell you to do this, and this uh, Stephen Kendrick uh, encouraged me to do this some time ago, and it's, it's a remarkable exercise. Read Ephesians 1 and 2 with a piece of paper in front of you and, and just make notes of who you are and what you have because of Christ in your life. It's remarkable. You're redeemed. You're treasured. You're a joint heir. You're, you're all of these things. You're a... You're a, um, a a son of the Most High God, as Gary said. So you're going to see all of these things um, as you read Ephesians 1. Uh, obviously, watch the movie Overcomer and talk about that. And then again, visit the Better Man website. So, Gary, what other ideas do you have about what some folks that maybe a good book about identity or you got any thoughts there of uh, something that uh, we could recommend yeah. that folks do? Oh, man. Um, I actually, and this could be out of the ordinary, but I just finished uh, a, a Keller book of, uh, I believe it's called Good Endeavors, um, is, and it's related around work. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's really, you know, um, in, in line of what we even just kind of talked about with this day and age and the loss yeah. of jobs and things of that nature. Um, every, no, every good endeavor. Forgive okay. me. Every good endeavor. All right. Um, we'll look that up. Yeah. yeah, but it, it, it was a good one for me to, to know how to make work, to not worship it. Um, so it makes you understand that we use work for the glory of God versus work to just please our own bodies and selves. Yeah. So I feel like just that kind of hit me in terms of like it blessed me real good <laughs> um, in terms of just concepts and thoughts of even the work that I get to do. Yeah. You know, and, and just what and how does that, you know, how do I please God in that? Um, so, yeah. That's huge because so many, and so we tie this to identity because so many guys see themselves as what they do. I am a truck driver. I am a high school football coach. I am a teacher. I am a doctor. I am a business owner. But if, if, if you don't say I am a follower of Jesus who drives a truck, I am a follower of Jesus who teaches kids how to play football. Um, Man, if, if you would get that, 
priority right, then all of a sudden it changes a lot of things, doesn't it, brother? Yeah, man. It changes the whole <laughs> scope of things, brother. So, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Hey, this has been so much fun, Gary. Thank you for hey, taking yeah, time man. to be with us, and uh, we'll have to do this again. Um, Thank you, man. I love it. Lots love of fun, you, brother. Love yeah. you too, man. Uh, I'm gonna get down to Raleigh. We're gonna hang out sometime. So uh, so- sounds good to me, man. We can we can eat some good food, brother. Uh, you know it. <laughs> hey, uh, would you pray us out here, Gary? Would you yes, mind sir. praying for the folks that are listening and uh, and just closing us out here? Yes, Thanks. sir. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray. Um, Father God, I thank you so much. Uh, for this opportunity I've had to be able to uh, meet uh, with my brother and and God for all who would listen to this, Lord. I just pray, um, God, that we understand um, our true identity and that identity being in what Jesus Christ went to the cross, what he mm. pinned to the cross, um, God, in our sin and God, how we are justified through uh, that work. And Lord Jesus, how the process of sanctification, Lord Jesus, that you're working in us and through us. So, God, I just thank you again for this opportunity. I thank you for every person um, that would hear this, Lord, that you would please, Lord, spark something um, in that um, in our hearts, Lord, that uh, for all of us to know that there's a a Jesus shaped hole Mm. that can only be filled by Jesus um, in our hearts, Lord God, I pray we're able to acknowledge and that there's some way somehow that we can walk in that um, opportunity to accept that free gift of salvation. So God, I thank you uh, for Noble Man. I thank you for Mike. I thank you for all um, who are working um, in this great ministry, God. And I just pray that your hand continue to be on them and just guide and keep and protect. And Lord, that we understand, Lord, just how much you love us. And you proved it by sending your son, Jesus Christ, uh, to die on the cross, to be resurrected, and to be our advocate. So God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. And I pray that you bless us and keep us like only you can do. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again, brother. Folks, this uh, concludes episode 19 of the Nobleman Podcast. We'll be back with you with episode 20 and talk about the nobleman understands the value of his work. I may not have that title exactly right. I'll get chastised for for not saying it correctly by our team here. But uh, it, folks, if you've enjoyed this, it's been a blessing to you. Then share it with someone. Give us a um, give us a rating at uh, the wherever you listen to our podcast, and uh, tune in again next time. And thank you so much. God bless you. We love you. And uh, I want to say a shout out to Todd and all of our team. Holly and Kristen and Laurie that uh, make all this work. Folks, you are a blessing to us. So God bless you. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.